I appreciate the good song and appreciate the truth of the song. If you're saved, uh, you're not saved because of what you did. You're saved because somebody touched you and that somebody was Jesus Christ. And uh, outside of his touch, we are, uh, we are, as the Apostle Paul said, of all men most miserable. And uh, praise the Lord for the good song. Proverbs chapter 21. Proverbs 21. Let's stand together, please. And uh, we'll read just one verse this morning. Someone said that Proverbs is a book of one-sentence sermons. <clears throat> I don't want to get your hopes up because the sermon this morning is a lot longer than one sentence. But, uh, but <laughs> I saw the wheels turning there. And some of them, man, we're going to get out really early. Proverbs chapter 21, verse number 16. Proverbs 21, verse number 16. The man that wandereth out of the way of understanding shall remain in the congregation of the dead. Very interesting verse, very interesting sentence. Read it with me, if you will, all together ready. The man that wandereth out of the way of understanding shall remain in the congregation of the dead. And let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness to us. I pray that you'd help us in these uh, few moments that we'll spend together on this uh, beautiful sunshine uh, filled Sunday morning. I pray that you'd help us uh, to learn a truth that will help us. Uh, Father, for those who uh, have maybe wandered out of the way a little bit, I'm talking about Christians who perhaps have wandered off the beaten path uh, that you have for them. Father, I pray that you bring us back to the path. Father, for those who may be here this morning who aren't saved, who don't know the path of salvation, I pray that you'd give us the opportunity to uh, point them to the way of salvation. His name is Jesus Christ. I pray that you'd help us in these next few moments. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you for standing. <clears throat> the man that wandereth out of the way of understanding shall remain in the congregation of the dead. Have you ever been lost? I mean, really lost. Years ago, I was, uh, I was a youth pastor and I was, uh, had a group of uh, young people at teen camp and I had this bright idea that we were going to take a night hike uh, while we were there. And uh, it was about uh, 10 o'clock at night, uh, and we were in the hills of southwestern Virginia. And uh, there were some trails that went across the, uh, the campground and uh, back behind the campgrounds. And, and on the other side of those trails, was uh, it was not the camp property, but there was a river that, that bordered the property on one side. And, and I thought to myself, you know, there's no way that, uh, I mean, once they get over toward that river, the river was very wide, probably uh, maybe, oh, four or five feet deep at, the, at its, at, in the middle there, but probably a 20-foot wide river. And I'm thinking, no way kids are going to cross that river and, uh, and get lost. I mean, it's, it's, it's foolproof, okay? And whenever you're a youth pastor and you're trying to think like a teenager, you've got to think foolproof. And uh, <clears throat> so... I, uh, I got all the kids together, and I said, we're going to have a night hike, and, and uh, we're going to make this competitive. And, uh, you know, the first, the first uh, uh, five or six kids from each group uh, who gets back, you're going to get extra points for your team. And we made a big competition out of it. And uh, that was about 10 o'clock when I sent them on their way. And it's about, if you, if you hustle, you can make that trip in about 30 minutes and get back to where we started. And, uh, but uh, that was, we set out about 10 o'clock, about 10.30. Uh, most of the kids were starting to filter back. About 11 o'clock, pretty much everybody was back. And I, uh, I went from cabin to cabin, and I said, all right, we're going to take roll call, make sure everybody's back where they need to be, lights out at midnight and so on. And, uh, <clears throat> and we came up with six kids who weren't back yet. And it was about 11.15, 11.20 by that time. 
And uh, so 11.30 came, still these kids were gone. 11.45, still no kids. Midnight, no kids. Uh, 12.30, no kids. And by this time, I'm getting just a little bit worried. <laughs> just a little bit. You know, if you take, you know, if you take uh, 60 or 70 kids to camp and you come back with five or six less, you know, what's the big deal? And, uh, <clears throat> but, uh, but anyway, and uh, long story short, about, about 2 a.m., uh, me and some, a couple of other men, we went out looking for them, and we found them, and they were in the middle of nowhere. I, don't ask me how they got to where they were. We happened to see some flashlights in the distance. That's the only, that's the only way we found them. Otherwise, we'd still be looking for them. Uh, but, uh, but they just, I, 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 you know, they just got lost. And I said, what were you thinking? I said, the, the path was clearly marked. There's no way that you could have gotten lost. I mean, think about this. Uh, out of 220-some-odd kids, you're the only six who didn't make it back. Uh, you know, they just gave you that, that dumb look that only teenagers can give. <laughs> but they got lost. And, uh, and, you know, they weren't up to any, you know, they, it was just, just a group of guys, you know. Uh, you know, go figure, all the girls made it back. These six guys didn't, you know, big tough guys, you know. So as soon as I wiped their tears, I tucked them in bed and went, went to sleep. But have you ever been lost? Years ago, I was, uh, I was a college student in Chicago, and, and uh, there are some places in Chicago, as, as is the case with many big cities, where you don't want to get lost. And uh, I was just uh, sightseeing, sort of, in, uh, in, on the south side of Chicago, and uh, I, I didn't know where I was at. And uh, I looked in the rearview mirror, and a police officer had pulled me over. And I'm thinking, man, I know I didn't speed, I didn't run any stop signs or stoplights or anything like that, but uh, I got pulled over by a Chicago police officer, and he came and tapped on the window, and I rolled down the window, and I was about, I don't know, 19, 20 years old, and he said, son, do you know where you are? <laughs> and, uh, and I thought, um, no, sir, I don't. I had to, you know, I, of course, college student from out of state, had North Carolina plates on my little 1982 Chevy Chevette, <coughs> zero to 60 in 10 minutes, amen? Uh, <coughs> But, uh, but uh, he pulls me over. He walks up, and uh, he says, son, do you know where you are? I said, officer, I have no clue where I'm at. He said, he said boy, <laughs> he said, he said um, <clears throat> I'm going to give you a piece of advice. He said, don't ever come back over here if you know what's good for you. I didn't ask him what that meant. Really didn't care to know what that meant. And uh, he said, I'm going to pull over in front of you. He said, I'm going to take you back to the expressway. And I suggest you get on that expressway and you go back to wherever it is you came from and don't ever come back to this part of town again. I was lost. I was lost. I'd just taken a couple of wrong turns and, and before I knew it, I was where I shouldn't have been. And, uh, but you know what? <laughs> That's a bad feeling. It's a bad feeling to be just absolutely lost. You know, people who get lost don't set out to get lost. I've never ever talked to somebody who got lost, and I said, they, and they said, you know what, I, I, just, I just figured, I, I woke up this morning, and I thought, you know what, I think I'll just get lost today. That, that's usually not the way that works. You know, it just happens. They make a wrong turn somewhere. They're out in the country, perhaps, and lose their bearings or their sense of direction. You know, and by the way, most of us men have never been lost. <laughs> right, fellas? Especially if our wife happens to be in the car with us. You know what I'm saying? Uh, we, may be, we may be temporarily misplaced. We may be taking a scenic route. What are you laughing at, Brother Mackey? And, uh, <clears throat> we, uh, but, but we're never totally lost. And uh, at least that's our story, and we're sticking with it. Amen? But, um, you know, that happens physically, but it also happens in the spiritual realm. The Bible says, The man that wandereth out of the way 
of understanding shall remain in the congregation of the dead. You know, sometimes we call it backsliding. Once, you know, and by the way, only a saved person can quote unquote backslide. Because if you've never been saved, you've got no place to backslide from. <laughs> uh, but the truth of the matter is, it is a term that refers to our relationship with our Heavenly Father. No Christian ever sets out to stray away from the Lord. Nobody wakes up, no Christian ever wakes up one day and says, you know what, I think I'm just going to stray away from the Lord today. I think I'm just going to take a wrong turn in my spiritual walk. I think I'm just going to, to go do something really dumb. Uh, nobody does that. They, it just happens. They just stray away. The songwriter put it this way, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. You know, truthfully, our sin nature is bent away from God, and, and really, <clears throat> it doesn't take much. Our sinful nature being what it is, it doesn't take a whole lot for us to stray away, to wonder, if you will, out of the way of understanding, to just stray off course a little bit. I'm not necessarily speaking of the things that we would call deep sin or gross sin, whatever that is. But when most people think of backsliding, they are referring to the effects of backsliding or the fruits of backsliding. In fact, uh, Isaiah chapter 29, verse number 13, you need not turn to it, I'll read it for you. The Bible says this, Wherefore the Lord saith, For as much as his people draw near me with their mouth, and with their lips do honor me, but they have removed their heart far from me, and their fear toward me is taught by the precept of men. These folks were okay on the outside. He said, With their lips they honor me. With their words they pay homage to me. With their, uh, you know, with, uh, they're, they're even doing the right things. They're going through the right motions. He said, but there's a problem. Their heart is far away from me. Everything looks good on the outside. They know what to say. They know how to say it. Uh, they're going through the right motions, but their heart is away from me. You see, the heart of their problem was the problem of their heart. Notice the phrase there, but have removed their heart far from me. You see, by the time our backsliding is evident to the casual observer through what we would call gross sin, usually our hearts have been distant from God for a long time. You see, straying away, getting off the path is not something that you see physically firsthand. It happens right here. You stray away from God, first of all, in your heart. Your heart is removed from God. <clears throat> you don't have that passion for God that you once had. You don't have that fervor, that excitement that you once enjoyed. You see, by the time our backsliding is evident on the outside, it's been happening on the inside for a while. And we need to understand something this morning, something I need you to, to, to stop and consider about sin and about straying away from God. First of all, sin will take you farther than you want to go. Sin will keep you longer than you want to stay. And sin will cost you far more than you are willing to pay. I promise you, when you start straying away from God in your heart, eventually it's going to take you where you don't want to go. It's going to evidence itself. It's going to manifest itself in some shape, manner, or form. And I'm afraid many times we fail to see the danger when it comes to playing with sin. We fail to see the danger of just wandering off the path. Hey, listen, I want to wave the red flag this morning and say, hey, stay on the path. 
Stay on the straight and narrow path. Stay on the old tried and true paths that our fathers have walked. <clears throat> Stay on the path of, of, of the old time religion, so to speak, that, that many people refer to. Hey, I'm simply saying we've got to be careful that we don't stray away from the Lord. And once we stray away from the Lord in our hearts and in our minds, soon to follow our actions. You see, Proverbs chapter 6 and verse number 27, the Bible says this, Can a man take fire in his bosom and his clothes not be burned? Can one go upon hot coals and his feet not be burned? I'm afraid many times we fail to see the danger when it comes to backsliding. We fail to see the danger when it comes to playing with sin. And uh, in verse number 29, that same chapter, Proverbs chapter 6, So he that goeth into his neighbor's wife, so whosoever toucheth her, shall not be innocent. Now, obviously this passage here is talking about the sin of adultery and the sin of fornication. God said that if you're involved with someone who's not your spouse, you're playing with fire. By the way, you're playing with fire. You know, mark it down, when you start playing with fire, eventually you're going to get burned. You're going to get burned. And in the immediate context of that verse, <coughs> he's, he's talking about, uh, about adultery. He's talking about uh, having a relationship with, with someone who's not your spouse. By the way, I know it's 2016, but that's still wrong. It's wicked. It's vile. <coughs> God's definition of marriage is one man, one woman, till death do us part. That's God's definition. You say, a preacher, I don't like that definition. Take it up with God. By the way, he invented marriage. He's the one that should be able to define it. It's true with adultery. It's, too, it's true with fornication. And by the way, it's true with any other sin that you want to fill in the blank with as well. Can a man take fire in his bosom and his clothes not be burned? Truth is, you can't do it. You can't play with fire and not get burned. Numbers chapter 32 and verse number 23, the Bible says this, But if you will not do so, behold, ye have sinned against the Lord, and be sure your sin will find you out. No one sins and gets by with it. Oh, but pastor, I know, some, I know a lot of people, man, they, they, do, they do wicked things and vile things, and they get away with it. You haven't seen the rest of the story yet. See, sometimes people appear to get away with things, and in our mind, we, we, you know, the Bible says uh, that, that, that nobody sins and gets away. He said, be sure your sins will find you out. Sometimes as we look at things, we say, well, it just seems like they never, they never pay a price for their sin. They don't, you know, they're just, I mean, uh, you know, people are doing wicked things these days, and it seems like there's no consequences, there's no payback, there's no retribution. Hey, you, you haven't read the end of the story. You haven't seen where that sin will take them. Hey, I'm simply saying <clears throat> either, either, the, either God is true or he's a liar. <laughs> and the Bible says, let God be true and every man a liar. Hey, no one sins and gets away with it. You may think you're getting away with it in the present, but hey, uh, you know, someone said uh, uh, the, the, the wheels of God's justice grind slowly, but they grind mighty fine, and that's true. No one sins and gets away with it. You know, uh, truth is, you'd be better off to find a rattlesnake den and play with the rattlesnakes rather than play with sin. Because it'll get you. It'll get you. The truth is, if we, uh, if we can keep from wandering off the old tried and true past, we can keep from becoming a tragedy. And the truth of the matter is, church, I just want to say this morning <coughs> that most of our, our, our backslidden conditions, nobody sets out to do that. We just, it begins by just wandering off the path. Wandering off the path. 
We can keep from being a shipwrecked, ruined life if we'll keep from wandering off the path. So the question this morning is this, what causes people to wander? What causes people to get off the path? You know, I don't want, as I look at my life, I don't want to become a sermon illustration for somebody one day. I don't want to become a, a statistic. I don't want to become a tragedy. I don't want to, someone to speak of me 10, 15, 20 years down the road and say, man, <clears throat> what happened to him? What went wrong in his life? And the truth is, we can keep that from happening if we'll just find out what causes people to wonder and keep that from happening. So I want to share with you several things this morning very quickly. Uh, let me submit a couple of thoughts. <clears throat> what is it that causes people to wonder? Why do people wander off of the path? If no one sets out to wander, why does it happen? Number one, pride. Pride. The first reason that I want, to, I want us to look at why do people wonder is pride. Our old sinful nature. Our old decrepit, our old despicable self-will, our own self-sufficiency, our own, don't miss it, independence from God. That's what pride really is. Pride is a declaration of our independence from God. Look, no one here can live without God. I don't care how self-sufficient you think you are. Stop and think about it. The next breath that you draw into your lungs, who gave you that? God did. Every beat of your heart, who caused that to happen? God did. All of the intricacies of your body that causes your body to function as it does, that gives you the health and strength to provide for your family, that causes you to be able uh, to think clearly and to, uh, and to act upon uh, and, uh, uh, your, your own uh, volition and so forth to make decisions, all of those things were made possible by Almighty God. Who do we think we are uh, declaring our own independence from Him? You don't have any independence from God. But your pride says otherwise. Your sin nature would like you to believe that you can make it without him. Your own uh, depraved nature would, would have you to believe and have you buy into the, the myth that somehow you can live this life outside of the help of Almighty God. It can't be done. It can't be done. The notion that we don't need him. The notion that we can make it on our own. The question is not do we struggle with pride because we all do. From this preacher to everybody under the sound of my voice this morning, everybody in this room struggles with this animal called pride. We do. The question is not, do we struggle? The question is, how has it manifested itself in our lives today? <laughs> um, you know, for some, it's a know-it-all, you-can't-tell-me-anything kind of an attitude. For some, it is the unresolved conflict with your spouse or some other relationship. For some, it is a little more subtle. It may be a lack of prayer. A lack of prayer. You say, preacher, how is pride evidenced in my life? Uh, simple question. How much time have you spent in the last seven days on your knees before God? Think about it. You say, preacher, you mean lack of prayer is evidence of pride? Think about something with me, if you will. Prayer is the expression of faith. Prayer is the expression of faith. Faith is me telling God, God, I need you. Faith is dependence upon God, and pride is independence from God. If prayer is the expression of my dependency upon God, and a lack of prayer is the expression of independence from God, which is the very essence of pride. So <clears throat> the question is, 
How much time have we spent on our knees with, with the Lord this week? That is an outward manifestation of, some, of, of a deeper problem. It's pride. And pride causes me to wander off of the path. Pride causes me to take that wrong turn. Pride causes me to go day after day after day after day without talking to God, without acknowledging God in my life, without, without seeing that I need God. Hey, I'm simply saying if I'm going to stay on the path, I need to stay dependent upon God. If I'm going to stay where I ought to be, if I'm going to keep from wandering left or right off of where God would have me to be, I've got to declare my dependence upon him. I see not only pride, but the second observation of why people wonder, number two, outside distractions. Outside distractions. I want to share with you a verse in 1 Kings chapter 20. 1 Kings chapter 20 and verse number 40, we read these words. And as thy servant was busy here and there, he was gone. And the king of Israel said unto him, So shall thy judgment be, thyself hast decided it. Here's a story of a man <clears throat> who was given a prisoner of war to keep in, under his watch. And, uh, and his superior came back to him after a while, and the prisoner of war had gotten away from him. And he said, What do you have to say for yourself? Where is he? I mean, I just, I just left this man with you, and now he's gone. And his excuse as to why the man escaped was this. He said, You know what? I got distracted. He said, I became, I, I was busy here and there, and he just, he just got away. <laughs> I don't know what to say. I mean, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, the guy probably paid for his life, paid for that mistake with his life. But what I'm trying to get you to understand is this. Sometimes that describes us. Sometimes we wander out of the way of understanding, like the Bible says in Proverbs, because we are, we're distracted by outside sources. Other things get in the way. Our focus is interrupted by outside things. I'm not talking about bad things necessarily. I'm not necessarily talking about sinful things or wicked things or evil things or vile things. I'm simply saying sometimes our, our focus is taken away from the path that we ought to trod by other distractions. It may be a busy schedule that keeps us from serving the Lord. By the way, if you're too busy to serve the Lord... Could it be we're too busy? Hey, if we're too busy to walk with the Lord, could it be that we're too busy? You know, understand something. Everybody, you know, you, you may have advantages. You may have different things that, uh, of how that God has blessed you that, that, that are unique to you. But you know what all of us have? 24 hours a day, seven days a week. No one has eight days a week. Wouldn't that be something? I'd vote for that. <coughs> But all of us have, we have the same amount of time in our week. Truth of the matter is, it's how we, it's how we use it. It's how we schedule it. It's, how, it's, it's, it's the importance that we give to that time and the, the activities that we deem important, that we assign time to. Hey, I'm simply saying, let's not get so distracted by outside things that God becomes way down in our priority list. Busy here and there. It may be a hobby or a pursuit that takes our focus away from him. I understand, hey, we're, we're approaching the latter part of the spring, unless you look at the uh, temperature this morning. But uh, we're, uh, we're, we're getting toward uh, the summertime, and it's just around the corner. And, hey, you know what? Some people get distracted in the summertime. Some people, their focus is taken away from the important things, the truly important things, all in the name of pleasure. And, by the way, I look, 
I'm not preaching against vacations. I'm not pre- preaching against hobbies or, or sports or anything like that. I'm simply saying a good thing becomes a bad thing when it keeps us from doing the best thing. Well, I want you to have time with your family, and I want you to, to be able to, uh, to, to enjoy some, some time away this summer. But, hey, let's not let outside distractions take our focus away from God ever, ever. A good thing becomes a bad thing when it keeps you from the best thing. Why do people wander out of the way? Well, pride. Why do people wander out of the way? Outside distractions. Let me give you another one. <clears throat> Why do people wander? Number three, unconfessed sin. Unconfessed sin. Turn to Hebrews chapter 3 with me, if you would. Hebrews chapter number 3. If you have a Bible in front of you. Hebrews chapter number 3. <coughs> Again, sometimes people just kind of wander out of the way. They don't set out to. They don't, they don't predetermine, uh, take a predetermined course to walk away from God. To forget everything they've been taught. To go out into sin. People don't do that, but they do wonder. Let me, let me show you something here. Hebrews chapter 3 and verse number 13. The Bible says, But exhort one another daily while it is called today. Look at the last part of the verse here. Lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Why do people wander out of the way? I submit to you there is sometimes unconfessed sin that causes us to be calloused. That causes us to be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. It implies a callousness. You know, when we let little sins go unconfessed day after day, we can become callous toward God in our hearts. Callous toward God. I mean, hardened toward the things that normally would stir us. You know, we lose our sensitivity toward the things of God. We lose our tender heart toward the things of God. We lose that, uh, that zeal we once had for God. Why? Because we let little, tiny, unconfessed sins go on day after day after day after day. You know, confession ought to be a daily activity for every Christian. Confession. Confession is when I get along with God and I agree with God about my sin. That's what confession is. Can I help you with something? God knows what your, sin, what your condition is this morning. He knows what your spiritual temperature is this morning. He knows what you've done this week that you shouldn't have done. And he knows what you should have done that you didn't do. By the way, those are sins of omission and sins of commission, and both of them are sin. The Bible does say, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. So it's just as wrong for me not to do what I should do as it is for me to do things that I should not do. Both of them are classified as sin to God. And God knows exactly what my sin account is, okay? Now, as far as my salvation is concerned, gone, gone, gone. Yes, my sins are gone. God will not hold my sins against me as far as my eternal destiny is concerned. But listen to me, sin does drive a wedge between me and God. And sin drives a wedge between you and God. If, you don't, if you're not experiencing the same relationship with God that you once enjoyed, could it be there is unconfessed sin that needs to be dealt with this morning? Unconfessed sin. Uh, you know, confession ought to be a part of daily, uh, it ought to be a part of our daily uh, routine as far as God's children are concerned. You say, preacher, you really think that's important? Let me ask you a question. Did you take a shower this morning or last night? I say, preacher, that's kind of a personal question there. <laughs> you know. 
We take a shower on a regular basis, I hope. Maybe. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> unless you're, so, well, how many junior hires do we have? No, anyway. Uh, <clears throat> I remember my, uh, my grandparents on my mother's side, <clears throat> I used to love going to their house. I used to love going to their house because <clears throat> they, they, they lived in a house out in the country and, and, and they didn't have a shower. They didn't have a bathtub. They had a, uh, they had one of those old galvanized tubs that you've heard people talk about, and uh, and they'd fill it up, and you know, I mean, this I was I, they later on they got one, but uh, you know they moved into another house and had all the modern facilities and so forth. <clears throat> but I used to go over there, and uh, and my mom would say on Saturday night it was time. She said, "Son, it's time to take a bath." She says it's Saturday, <laughs> but anyway. Uh, <clears throat> Uh, we got to go to church tomorrow, so whether you, whether you feel like it or not, I said, but by the time, you know, that water was somewhat used, amen, uh, <clears throat> but no, they would, uh, uh, they put fresh water in there, but, but I, man, I love that, because as a, as a little kid, I'm talking about five, six years old, man, uh, taking a bath was not really high on my priority list, amen. <laughs> now, you know what? <clears throat> Everybody needs to be clean. That's why, that's why we bathe, but hey, if it's important physically, guess what? It's important spiritually. It's important spiritually. Uh, I'm simply saying it ought to be part of our, our routine. It ought to be part of our schedule to, on a regular basis, confess our sins to the Lord. Hey, uh, we need to get cleaned up spiritually every day. I'm talking to saved people. Uh, the Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us, to cleanse us, to wash us, to make us clean again. Hey, how do you do that? God, I just want to tell you, you know, you know this is true already. By the way, he does know already. You say, well, preacher, if God already knows what my sins are, why do I need to confess them? God wants you to acknowledge what he already knows. He wants, you, he wants to hear it from your lips. Hey, God, <clears throat> I did this today, and I'm wrong. God, I was dead wrong. Why? Because that sin will, will drive a wedge between you and God. It, it robs us of fellowship. It robs us, the, uh, robs us of that sweet communion. How often should I confess, preacher? At least daily, but even better than that, as soon as I realize I've done wrong. See, here's what happens. <clears throat> we let that sin build up and build up and build up and build up and build up. And the Bible says that our hearts become hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. The deceitfulness of sin is, oh, it's not so bad. Sometimes we're guilty of telling ourselves that our sins aren't as bad as old brother so-and-so's sins. We're good at that, aren't we? We like to label what is good sin versus bad sin versus okay sin versus kind of mediocre sin. <clears throat> our sins are, those are the they're kind of gray areas, and your sins are wicked and vile and black and putrid. <laughs> that's our philosophy. That's, that's the way we think. Hey, can I help us? All sins wicked and vile as far as God's concerned. It's all, it's all bad stuff. And the moment that I realize I have violated God's law, the moment I realize I have wronged a brother or sister in Christ, the moment I realize I have transgressed the word of God is the moment I need to get by myself somewhere and say, God, I'm sorry. God, I'm wrong. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just. Why do we get off the path? Why do we wander away from the path that God has for us? Pride. Why do we get away from the path that God has for us? Unconfessed sin. Outside distractions, let me give you the last thing very quickly. Why do, we get, why do we wonder? Very simply, 
we ignore the map. <laughs> we ignore the map. We wander out of the way of understanding because we, we wander, we ignore the map that God has given us. Psalm 119, verse 133, the Bible says this, Order my steps in thy word, and let not any iniquity have dominion over me. Order my steps in thy word. You know what? <clears throat> this map, this Bible right here, is the map that keeps us in the way. It's the map that keeps us in the way. You know, back before the days of GPS, you know, remember, remember road maps? Remember those? <laughs> uh, <clears throat> you know, we, uh, we, we, you'd get a map and you would, you would plot your, if you were driving across the country, you would, uh, you would plot your course, especially in the days where, or if you're going, traveling through areas where there's not a lot of interstate highways where you've got to make some turns and so forth, you would, you would, you would, you would plot your, your course on that map. And if you lose sight of that map, if you ignore that map, you may end up somewhere where you have no clue where you are. That's where we are, spiritually speaking. The Bible's our map. The psalmist said, order my steps according to thy word. Hey, I'm simply saying many of us wander away from God because we ignore the book. We ignore the map. Hey, I'm simply saying, <clears throat> have you lost your way this morning in a spiritual sense? I know you know where you're at physically, at least I hope you do, <laughs> if you're cognizant of what's going on around you. But in a spiritual sense, have you lost your way a little bit? Have you wandered away? Hey, let me put it to you this way. Has there ever been a time in your life when you were closer to God than you are right now? That's a great question. Has there ever been a time in your spiritual life, in your spiritual walk with God, I'm talking to saved people right now, has there ever been a time where you felt closer to God than you do right now? If the answer to that is, well, yeah, preacher, there was a time when I was a lot closer to God than I, was right now, than I am right now, maybe you've just wandered a little bit. Maybe you've just gotten off the path. Hey, I'm not saying that you're a bad person or that you did it intentionally, but maybe it was pride that got you off the path. Hey, maybe it was just outside distractions. Maybe it was unconfessed sin. Or maybe you just got away from the map a little bit. Maybe you just quit reading the Bible as you ought. Maybe you just stayed away from your prayer closet. Maybe you just fill in the blank. Maybe it was a a pursuit. Maybe it was a hobby. Maybe it was something that got your attention away from the most important person in your life. His name is God. Hey, how's your fellowship with the Father? You may be here this morning and you may not know Jesus Christ as your Savior. You understand something? You won't, <clears throat> uh, you, you won't just wander into heaven. <laughs> you won't do it. You won't just stumble into heaven. No, Jesus said, I am the way. The way. If you go to heaven, it'll be because you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. If you, if you end up walking on streets of gold one day, it won't be because you're a good person. It won't be because you joined the church. It won't be because you follow the Lord in baptism. No, it'll be because you found the way. And the way, the way, his name is Jesus Christ. It's not you're turning over a new leaf. The way is not you having uh, uh, pity on the poor. The way is not you joining some uh, religious organization or, or joining this church for that matter. No, the way is found in a person. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. Two groups of people in here this morning, and I'm done. Those who are saved and those who are not saved. If you're saved, <clears throat> the Bible says, stay in the way. Oh, no, you don't stay in the way to stay saved. 
you stay in the way to stay in fellowship with the Father. And if you're here this morning and you're not saved, there's only one way to heaven. His name is Jesus Christ. I invite you. I invite you to receive him this morning as your own personal Savior. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. Every head bowed. Every eyes closed. I wonder how many people this morning would say, Preacher, I may not be everything that I...